you're listening to a special bonus episode of Monsters Out of the Closet. I'm producer Nicole Kaland. This month, I had the opportunity to talk with Anthony Hudson, a Portland-based queer artist. Anthony is perhaps better known as Carla Rossi, Portland's premier drag clown who hosts a bi-monthly movie event series called Queer Horror. I'm a big fan of Anthony's work, and I am thrilled to be able to share our conversation. I'm in the studio with Anthony Hudson. Uh, woo! <laughs> uh, and we're here to chat a little bit about queer horror and what it means to both of us and what's going on with the scene here in Portland, Oregon. Oh, yeah. And we were just talking about Chucky. Um, Which but, you have never seen I've never, a Chucky film. I have never seen it. I was in a sleepover when I was very young, and someone threatened to put on a Chucky movie, and a bunch of kids started ch- like chanting, Chucky, Chucky. <laughs> and, of course, what immediately came to my head was Chucky Cheeses. And I have a, I have a very irrational fear of mascots, and so Chucky Cheese not going to work. So I was like, nope, we're putting the brakes on this, and instead we're going to cuddle so it wasn't even the killer doll that was scaring you it was the thought of the animatronic i was just like well also i don't like dolls too for similar reasons anything in the uncanny valley i'm like shut that down anything with glass eyes that can look at you oh yeah no the door is right there yeah or like the trash can or like the pit of hell wherever i can dispose of it um, yeah, that's why I, I don't like animatronics, don't like dolls, don't like mascots, don't like AIs and robots, like, fuck that noise. So any simulacrum, you're just like, you, no, 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 no time for it. Freaks me that's out. Smart. I, that's smart. I'm, I'm just like, you're, you're trying to get my guard down and you're going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm, I'm terrified of aliens. I'm terrified of, um, gravity reversing itself. I'm terrified oh. of lighthouses becoming sentient and like getting up and walking around the coastline. <laughs> so those are, <laughs> those are my very specific fears. I, I, I love it because that is such a, a fucked up image to have. I yeah. just, like patrolling the yeah. coast. And they're like little, little beam eyes just like okay. searching for you yeah no see there there's like there are people who are like afraid of what happens in lighthouses yeah there, there's so many like messed up stories of what happens to people when they just sit in a lighthouse with each other and uh, what you are afraid of is the lighthouse itself. the lighthouse itself is I, terrifying i love that yeah yeah no i think that's a very valid fear and concern that we should have in the year of our lord 2018 i think so you know at the top of the list honestly you know we have i mean there's nuclear war looming but, right. But lighthouses. Lighthouses. Are we really, you know. are we prepared? I don't think we are. <laughs> I don't think we are. Oh, God. Um, in, in Hell House LLC. Uh-huh. Uh, so it's like a newish one, but there is this clown mannequin that okay. scares the living daylight oh, out of okay. me. And that, I'm pretty sure you would enjoy that moment. Yeah, just for... If not the movie itself. No, that I'll just have to take a peek at it. Mannequin, simulacra, it's, yeah. Yeah. Like, why does this clown mannequin keep ending up in my doorway? Like, I, over and over. I don't want to know the answer to that question. Mm-hmm. I mostly want to really run don't. the other way, because clowns are also like, nope. Yeah. No. Nope. Which is why you come to Carla's show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Carla is the one clown that I adore. Oh, yay. Yeah. 
You know, we clowns have a bad rap because yeah. of that, that goddamn pity. I life. saw that you were protesting. Yes, yes. Yeah, Hashtag not all that. clowns. Hashtag not yeah. all clowns. Carla, Carla was scheduling a protest because Carla being you know, right. Portland's premier drag clown, uh, you know, she, she had to go out and, you know, get the word out that, you know, we don't all eat children. Many of us do. Right. But we don't all eat children. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it depends. Like, are they cage-free? Is it free-range children? <laughs> yeah. Have they had gluten recently? Well, you know? if they're in Portland, probably not, right? One would hope so. Um, <laughs> no Monsanto kids. Right. Uh, uh, no Non-GMO. Yeah. Um, Etc. Gotta, gotta keep yeah. it clean. Yeah. So just like, just to counteract the The stereotypes, right? Yeah, it's been fair. a tough year for clowns, you know? I, I remember all the videos of like the clown apocalypse happening in 2016. Yeah. Like... That would, I was like, there's a good chance I'm going to die. I actually, this was one of the most terrifying nights of my life. I like, I woke up at two in the morning. I just had a horrible dream that there was like a shooting and there was violence and chaos, a killer on the loose. And then I'm like, I wake up in my bed and like, I, I'm still kind of waking up. I look over through my window and like, there's lightning and then a fucking clown is standing there. What? And then I, like, I turn over and I, like, pretend to be asleep for a while. And then I, like, look back over. It's gone. And I'm like, this is, that's probably what lucid dreams are. But, oh. like, but it could also be that a killer clown was watching me that night. I think that's most likely. That's probably the most likely Even scenario. more likely. <laughs> what? Wow, right? that's terrifying. Oh, yeah. No, I couldn't sleep for the rest of the night because I was just, like, keep pretending to breathe like you're sleeping. <laughs> like Don't move. You know, do you think the clowns were actually trying to lead us away from what would happen eventually in 2016? Maybe they were trying to help us. They were trying. They were like, just come over here to this forest. We actually really have candy and not an election. Come over here. (laughs) And maybe that's what aliens are trying to do, too. They're like, we're trying to help you. Get out. Get out. It's it's an intergalactic railroad. Oh. Trying to get us out from this place, man. Yeah, it's it's been a, it's, it's a weird time in horror when like horror movies are less scary than like what is actually happening exactly. in our world. Yeah, I'm interested in your lucid dream clown <laughs> moment. I say this because I think part of why I got so um, into horror uh, was like the real life component for me was I grew up experiencing sleep paralysis mm. all the time. Uh, so like I. Every, like, almost every night, like, I would begin to fall asleep and then, like, go completely numb and then be paralyzed. And then I, my dreams would act themselves out in my real life vision that I was seeing because I was awake, but my body was asleep. Um, and I didn't know what was happening to me until, like, I was much older and the internet was a thing and I could, like, look it up on AOL, like, at the time. <laughs> and my mom's super Catholic. And so I grew up uh, like convinced, you know, she she's super Catholic and, you know, a little woo woo. So it was like there were I grew up believing there were demons in the house and like she would go around and like baptize everything with holy water and like like scream at the demons to get out of the house. And so between that and then 
having these like nighttime experiences and then like forces coming into my bedroom and all this shit. That's terrifying. It was horrifying. That, <laughs> it was like, absolutely horrifying. I mean, if that's even a fragment of what I experienced with that clown outside my window, like, <laughs> damn. The last time I figured it out finally, as once I began to kind of finally understand what it was when I was around like 16 or 17, um, and I figured out that it wouldn't happen to me if I went to sleep on my stomach instead of on my back. Mm-hmm. If I was going to sleep on my back, it would always happen. Mm-hmm. So I, the last time that I ever really experienced it, I've experienced it a couple times, you know, since in the last like decade, but um, it's mostly gone away. But the last time I really experienced it, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to sleep on my stomach. It won't happen. And then right as I start to fall asleep, literally a whole hand, palm of a hand and the fingers and everything go right on my back. And it was like, I'm still not convinced that it was sleep paralysis because it felt so real. Right? And I never like actually felt contact before. Yeah. And I, I just remember like, it was so- totally silent in my room. I like, my eyes popped open when I felt it. And I just was like, mom, because I was convinced like she snuck it. She like came in my room and was like trying to wake me up or hey. something. And I like turn and look behind me and there's nothing in my room. And I was just like. Oh fuck! Like, right, it was the scariest. It, but it feels so real. It felt so it's so completely real. Like I was so convinced that the clown was there that I like was on. My, I pulled my phone out and I was like trying to like I was hiding out under the covers and searching like clown sightings near me and like. <laughs> oh yeah, like how Google Earth had the they mapped out where all the clown sightings were. Or like I think I was on like Facebook and I went to like a local feed to see if anyone oh else gosh. was seeing this stuff. Or like for some reason I thought there was a wax museum near me that the shooting in my dream happened in and I felt like that was connected somehow <laughs> and I'm just like god this was this didn't happen ah luckily I didn't have that as a child so I like what brought me to horror was like you know as a kid you just like watch some movies on like YouTube as one did and I would watch things that were way too mature for me like oh I was 12 and I watched Taxi Driver and like The Punisher <laughs> I just kind of got into horror because I thought it would, like, make me tougher. I'd be, like, more mature. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So that was what kind of brought me to horror was this kind of, like, um, kind of belief that genre fiction was way more interesting than, like, other things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, I was like, there's meaning to it in a way that, like, I didn't feel like other movies or books really had. Like, I I always loved sci-fi fantasy because of the messages mm-hmm. and, like, the characters. And then horror was like, there's got to be something, like, powerful here. And, like, um, I kind of got back into horror after, like, a lot of years not watching it because I was at college. And I took this class on um, fiction that had been adapted to films. And these were, like, um, horror, noir, thriller films. Mm. Um, so we, like, read, like, some of Psycho, watched a Hitchcock movie, um, saw The Shining and, like, The Birds, all these, like, really great horror movies. Yeah. And then, like, we studied the theory behind, That's like, so film cool. analysis. And I was like, what? Well, one, The Birds is way more lesbian than people like to admit. And, like, yeah. And, like, two, like, wow, horror is really the most, like, integrated film of, yeah. like, type. Like, the audience is, like, in the film. And we build ourselves into it. You know, we, yeah, the scariest thing is what we bring to it often. Yeah, and I think that that's why it's especially, like, cool, like, when we start seeing, like, films that are kind of addressing kind of real-world issues that their audience probably experiences, mm-hmm. it, and it's not just, like, a generic, like, 
you know, oh, murderous person chasing naked girl through woods. Yeah. You know, when part the, twelve. Part twelve in <laughs> the in the sixteen part series. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's like I mean, Get Out, like right. The main reason I think why that movie was so huge mm-hmm. this year, like bigger than any horror movie I can think of in the last. What, like, since, I feel like since the Blair Witch Project, maybe. They're not talking about it. It's good for a horror film. Yeah. Like, it's a great film. Yeah. And, and it is kind of multi-genre, too. It but, is. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not a comedy, Golden Globes. Yeah. But, it like, is funny, though. Oh, yeah. It's got it some funny. good laughs, but, like, uh, questionable categorization there. Yeah. There's no, there shouldn't be a binary anyways. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, like, it's so, when you, I love what you said about we kind of build ourselves into these films, in a sense, because I think that's what you're kind of doing with the queer horror film series. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, like, I definitely, like, I, I uh, the queer horror film series, do you want to talk a little bit about that? No. No? Cool. <laughs> I mean, it happens every two months, more or less. Yeah, yeah, every uh, other month at the historic Hollywood Theater. Best place to watch movies in Portland, Oregon. It's it's a really nice theater. My favorite. And it's uh, it's great because you're all, you're showing these like really classic films. And I I recently I've been to a couple of these more than a couple. Um, and Thank like you. one that I really enjoyed a lot was Death Becomes Her, which oh. was so phenomenal because I had never seen it before and I didn't know what I was in for except that it was gonna be kind of zany, very. Oh, you hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it. Oh, that's great. And like to come in and I loved. Um, you know, how you opened the show, you were talking about this idea of, like, this kind of queer idea of, like, mortality and how that is kind of um, explored in this film mm-hmm. and through these really dynamic women who have, yeah. like, such a cool, interesting relationship. Oh, yeah, that was when I said, I think I was talking about how um, I was reading, yeah, Sempre Viva, Isabella yeah. Rossellini's character. It's like, it's a, it was a tribute to, um, or it's kind of a homage in kind of a, a, a keening at the same time to everyone lost during the AIDS epidemic. I was thinking a lot about that when me and my co-producer Shreya recently did our episode commentary for our December episode, which was on endings. We were talking a lot about like the relationship the queer community has with endings and how it's so complicated because we we have such high rates of like suicide and death and yeah. violence, and then we also have this like history of like a whole lost generation of people lost yeah. to you know what was kind of both like unfairness and like kind of the cruelty of an uncaring government oh yeah i i 100 you know think it was genocide right and like it it's it's still something that we experience and see today and so it's like it's a complicated relationship with ending yeah and, like, so that was so, it resonated so much with me. And, like, I saw that film, and, like, I really, I put myself in that film in a really cool way. So that was oh, a, I love that. That was a cool experience. Yeah, my outlook with the series has always been, um, you know, because people always ask me, like, <laughs> I think in an attempt to try and figure out what connects the movies I show. Because, like, like, the last one we did was Batman Returns, which, for a series called Queer Horror, like, it kind of, people wouldn't look at it as falling into either of those boxes, although mm-hmm. I would argue it's the, the utmost of both. Right. But, um, but yeah, like, with Death Becomes Her, I, I had a lot of pushback where people are like, is this queer? Is this a horror movie? And I was like, that was another one where I was like, I don't know that it could be any more of, of, of either, you know? Like, I think it's 100% queer and horror. Um, because, like, our, our 
criteria, basically, with programming is, like, I want to show movies that have a strong queer presence in front of mm-hmm. or behind the camera. Right. And so with Death Becomes Her, I was like, I, I, I had this moment where I was like, I just really wanted to show Death Becomes Her. Because that's the other secret right. criteria is I show whatever I want to show. Really. Right. <laughs> and whatever I want to do the pre-show for. And I think Death Becomes Her was actually my very favorite of all of our pre-shows. But, um, yeah, it was, as I was looking back at Death Becomes Her, it was like I noticed that, that amazing connection between Isabella Rossellini and that idea of live forever. And um, especially as written by an author who, as far as I could tell, is queer. Um, one of the co-screenwriters of the film, who only his own like some of his only other credits are like an independent queer film that he made himself in right. the eighties. Um, so I was like, oh my god, if you're a, a writer that's just like lost, I don't know how many of your friends and partners and family, you know, and you're writing this role about this immortal woman who has this gift to give people, and her tagline is "Live forever." Like right. I can only imagine. The, the the fantasy element of that, the right. significance of that. But then watching the film, like, seeing, because um, it was it was directed by Robert Zemeckis, who did, like, Contact and Forrest Gump and all this stuff. It felt so weird. Like, I was like, there has to be more of a bent than just um, this one queer screenwriter because right. there's so much queerness in this film uh, between the two women who are basically drag queens, just, like, horrible to each other the whole time right. but ultimately like realize that they're each other's best hope and best friends mm-hmm. um and then watching it like the the sets and like the everything's so gothic and it really feels like i feel like death becomes her is a it's it's a tribute to old universal studios horror films like oh, i can see that very like james whale 30s kind of vibe where everything is very like pronounced baroque like old cobwebs and mansions and castles and like Isabella Rossellini's entire castle for example Mm -hmm. like I feel like it's very it's a Universal Studios horror movie but the monsters in that movie are women that won't give in (laughs) like yeah (laughs) that are kind of stand up against all these dudes and I think it's always so funny when we talk about like the monsters in these films like how often it's people who are people or beings who are really sympathetic um, through the right lens. I mean, like, I get a lot of pushback about this, but, like, the protagonist in The Witch, like... Gosh, I sympathize. Like she... You get pushback for that? Oh, yeah, my my friend was like, are you sure that's feminist of you to like someone who, like, is going to eventually, like, murder babies and stuff? I'm like... Yes! Why not? I don't know. <laughs> 100% yes! Yeah, like, I don't know. Cause is it, it sucks. Is it really about murdering babies? <laughs> Or is it about liberating you from the patriarchal, yeah. oppressive structure? Yeah. When even your own mother is trying to kill you. Right. Because of the system that you've all been f- trapped into and, and exiled from. Sometimes the only way out is through. Yep. Like, when she gets to the sab- Sabbath, or s- Sabbath, whatever, at the end, and they are just they just all start floating together around the fire, and it's just like, you did it. You made it. <laughs> it's definitely going to be like, uh, I wonder if there's a bittersweetness to it. But yeah. Like, I mean, like for a horror film where like, literally, when you think about it, everyone dies. Like, spoiler alert. Spoiler every, alert. Ever, everyone dies. Like, that was a pretty, like, it was kind of what needed to happen. Yeah, it was a very 
It was funny because for me, that was the one part of the movie that wasn't bleak. <laughs> like yeah. everything else, the Puritans, the dad being a control freak, psycho, like the, the mom trying to kill her. The, oh my god, that brother, his oh. monologue when he's dying. Oh, that was so intense, always. Yeah. Amazing acting. Amazing. Um, but all that's just like bleak ass shit. And then that ending, I was like, finally some hope in this movie. Right. I mean, and yeah, there's this question of like, I mean, she's still, all these women that are coming together are still uniting, you know, serving this dude, Black right. Philip. Right. But I mean, he has a really cute goat. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, there's still that question. Um, which is an interesting uh, the component of satanic feminism that I'm really intrigued by. Um, hence our night of satanic feminism we did. Which was for a Halloween. phenomenal event. Thank you. Yeah, it, it was it was just a wonderful night of amazing dancers oh. and you know talented filmmakers and like really experimental content. It was kind yeah. of cool to see like how all these ideas kind of gestated into like what they became yeah and yeah like, especially as like a collective like series yeah i was i was really blown away by that night it was like a dream come true for me um queer horror halloween i wish i had a better title i came up with a better title for it that was more reflective of the programming but yeah and queer horror initially started because this is in march we'll be on our third year of, of the, doing the show at the hollywood but it initially started in march 2015 as a short film night so mm -hmm. I proposed it. I like received a residency with the Hollywood theater where I was working like through my old college and, um, I was supposed to create nights of programming. And so for the last night I wanted to do a horror film festival. So I, I was like, and Jason had done this painting of like these bloody lips and it says queer horror. And I was like, Oh my God, I'm just going to call it queer horror and we'll use that image. And then I won't need to make a poster. <laughs> so it all just came together in that way. Um, so I, I put out this call and like I got shorts from like the Sasuke sisters and Peaches Christ, who was like one of my idols and actually inspired, you know, how I do the series in terms of having like a pre-show before and then the screening and all this stuff. Um, and so every year we've tried to do a short film festival since. And so that was this year was our fourth um, because for some reason I did two short film festivals in the first year and somehow mm -hmm. I've still... I still continue to get short films, so I'm like blown away. One that there's that many queer short film, horror short films out there. Right. Where it's like I have over like a hundred now on my computer oh. alone, which wow. is awesome. So with this one, I really wanted to do a night in following in that that line of of satanic feminism and and uh, women centric programming ever since the election, since 2016. I really wanted to do like a night celebrating this idea of like the infernal feminine of women rising up and in that kind of witch-esque way of raging against the patriarchy right? and bringing in the sign of the beast burlesque and all those short yeah. films. And like one of them, um, there was like the campy kind of hammer style, like, like Vampiros Lesbos kind of yeah, film yeah, yeah. Uh, where they, they like even acknowledge like that the women are still worshiping the devil like they're still mm -hmm. having to serve the devil and then that the the convert ends up killing the satanist because she's like i'm not gonna serve any dudes mm -hmm. and i fucking love that, that so, was, like, that, i think that was probably my favorite film of the night yeah it's really great and that was actually that one was actually i was really excited uh, i didn't even realize it until later it was written by um michael Verratti, yeah who also does the queer horror podcast yeah phil yeah yeah and he um is a screenwriter yeah 
so it's really cool. It's a small world we live in. It's a very small world. But a fun one, ever-growing. Yeah. We were at DragCon. Um, we did it last year as Queer Horror, and we're doing it again this year. But uh, Peaches, I just feel like a name dropper. Some Peaches Christ was hanging out at our booth. Yeah. But we were talking. We were like, oh, can you imagine doing a Queer Horror Con? And Peaches was like, I think it would just be us. <laughs> like, I mean, yes, but also, I think there is, there's such a huge um, b- booming market for it, too, mm-hmm. because the horror community is so aggro at times. And yeah. so, like, it's, like, 90% like rockabilly dudes. And then, like, I don't know how to say this without verging on problematic territory, but, like, Often there's like the horror ladies that kind of just go along with, with it, with the vibe. I feel like. Yeah, I I've noticed that there's kind of an energy of like, the kind of like really intense like masculinity and like there's a kind of a vibe of like oh well women like don't have a voice here and so that's why like yeah. there there's like I think a growing pushback from that. There's a lot of amazing. Um, women that I, I, like, follow on Twitter who are involved in the horror scene. Um, there's, like, a women in horror hashtag, and there was a film yeah. festival, and, yeah. like, there's a lot of amazing women involved in front of the camera, behind the camera, in the theater seats yeah. with horror that yeah. I'm, I'm hoping are going to get more and more space at the table, at the, like, the conventions. Yes, and right? that's, uh, that's what I'm all about like right now in it at seeing this shift in horror like because it's like you can actually watch it happen right now too yeah um where it's like it's becoming so much more queer and it's becoming so much more feminist and like women run women centric um and it's it's amazing to me because like I, I think of the best horror movies I've seen in the last like three years and it's like The Invitation, The Lure, The Witch, Raw, um Honeymoon, A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night mm-hmm. and it's like all of them were made by women. I mean, except The Witch. But, like, all of those are profoundly, like, pro-woman, feminist, right. and made by women. <laughs> it's just, like, they're literally making the best stuff out there right now. Right. Um, and, yeah, and, and it's nice seeing that these films are actually, like, there's a desire for them. That they're actually mm-hmm. happening and they're so innovative. Yeah. And, like... That's why I love doing conventions, too, and doing, like, showing up to stuff as queer horror at a horror convention, because so much of it's, like, you're, you're going to see a lot of chain mail. You're going to see a lot of, like, bath bombs of eyeballs, and then yeah. a lot of, like, aggro dudes, and a lot of, like, dude authors, dude illustrators, and all this stuff that are just doing bloody mm-hmm. shit. Um, and then we're there, and, like, we'll have, like, like I'll never forget at Crypticon, um, this person came up to us, and they were, like, kind of kind of shy about coming up to us and they just stared at our banner and then they walked up to me and they're like did I read it says queer horror I read this right, right. and I was like yes it, it does say that and they're like can you tell me about it and I was like well I do this thing as a, I'm a horrible clown monster from hell and I host this series and um it's like the only queer exclusive uh, horror film series in the country and uh blah 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 and she's just this like uh she's like I just want to thank you because I'm she's like I'm trans I don't even know what my name is yet I'm trying to figure it out and she's like and I'm only 15 and she's like and this is the first time I felt welcome at one of these is like seeing you guys here and so it was just like ah (laughs) like it's it is so important I think what you're saying is like yes these spaces can be kind of they can feel a little like aggressive and maybe not as inclusive but if we don't make a space within 
these areas, then it's not going to shift. It's not going to shift. And it's important for, um, you know, event series like yours, um, podcasts like this, hopefully to like kind of say like, no, like there can be better things, um, and new things in this genre. It's not just, you know, Friday the 13th, the 26th, you know? Yeah. 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 No, there's, there's cool things happening and new ways to look at old things. Yeah. We can all do better. Yeah. We can be much more inclusive and make cooler stuff. Yeah. And it's only going to be so much cooler and so much scarier if everyone has a voice and getting scary shit out there. So we're almost going to hit three years with Queer Horror. Yeah. What can we expect next? Oh my God, so much. I actually, so I, this is the first year where I'm kind of going in without a big vision. Mm-hmm. Um, I have six films I really want to show. I'm really excited to show. Uh, but, um, yeah, like last year, you know, it was mostly like the first year was like, let's go through the classics. So like Sleepaway Camp, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, like stuff like that. The second year, uh, was just kind of that continued. And then the third year was our, like, or this whole last year really was our women centric programming. Um, so this year I think I'm, we're going to continue down that route a little bit. Mm-hmm. I do want to go back into more actual horror films mm-hmm. <laughs> because we don't always show them. Like, I mean, we showed Batman Returns. We showed Death Becomes Her. We've showed, you know, Adam's Family Values. Like, they aren't always exactly horror. It's like, I like to call everything like genre or horror adjacent. Horror adjacent, yeah. Where it's like, what ultimately my, my outlook is like, what are the films that really help build a queer aesthetic and a queer camp aesthetic in terms of horror like what where is the intersection between queerness and horror aesthetically and what are the films that have contributed to that um so and i think like for that like like beetlejuice was a huge one for me where like that's yes. that's the movie that placed me on the horror path like i mean yeah there was the sleep paralysis thing as a kid but then that like was like the real life horror that i was interested in but then there was like the escapism and the like kind of fairy tale quality of like old Tim Burton movies that I grew up with where I loved how fantastic and beautiful and like crazy and hilarious everything was. Um, and so I love like things like that, like Beetlejuice. I'm like, that's definitely a queer horror film to me. Um, if I watched it and if I liked it, it's a queer horror exactly, film. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's like if you can latch on and you can, and there's like, there's a sensibility, you know, that comes, I think, with queerness and that comes with when you, you, it's almost, it's almost, am I going to compare it to cruising? But like, it's almost like body language. Like it's, you, there are signs when you're watching something where you can be like, I sense one of us in this. Yeah. There's a voice. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> I don't necessarily believe in gaydar, but like, yeah. there are movies where I'm like, gay. Yeah. There's yeah. something happening in here. Yeah. And I can feel it. Yeah. Um, and so those are the films. So this year, like, I mean, we're going to kick it right off on Valentine's Day with Bride of Chucky. Woo. Uh, to go back to How the we... Chucky series. Yeah. Yeah. How we started the conversation. I'm so excited for you to see it. I'm excited too. It's, it's, the least queer of of the newer films um but it's the one that started it all so like you know they did the first three child's play films and then uh don mancini who's like a queer man um has written every single film he's i think he's the only person associated with any franchise to like have creative control over every single film um so he wrote all of them and then he's directed the last three 
So basically everyone since after Bride of Chucky, he's, he's personally done, and they've all featured Jennifer Tilly because she's perfect. <laughs> she's a goddamn saint. Um, but Bride of Chucky was another one of those that was really formative for me, where it was like, even though, I mean, it has a gay character in it, there's like Tiffany, it's the introduction of Tiffany, Chucky's bride, who's mm-hmm. like basically the lady Chucky, and she's hilarious and amazing, and she murders people and idolizes Martha Stewart. Right, you can do both. You can do both. You can have it all. (laughs) And and so that was one for me that was like, I was like 12 or 13 or something. And I was really deep into like Halloween and Scream. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like definitely going through my slasher period. And then I was like, I'm going to rent this Chucky movie because this Mm -hmm. just looks dumb. And I need to find out what's going on. And it was that thing where I instantly, I didn't even know that the creator was gay at that point or anything. But like I instantly felt a connection and could could feel that kinship in the built into the movie um and it was just like so funny and for me seeing this like femme fatale woman who's like beautiful but also hilarious and also smart even though she's playing kind of like a ditzy character but she's smart about it like it just melted my mind right um so i'm i'm so excited if you can't tell the show bride of chucky uh and kind of see where the queerest slasher series of all time kind of really began to to get the bent to it. Um, and then, yeah, we're going to have a couple other classics coming out. Uh, we're going to definitely be doing more, maybe, maybe an old famous vampire movie, mm. um, maybe an old famous ghost movie. Uh, lots of bigger, more well-known horror movies are coming up this year. That should be fun. Yeah, I'm really excited. And then... I don't know if it's going to happen this year. I love the idea of it happening for Halloween, but I have a dream vision in the next year or two at least that I need to make happen. I really want to bring one of my very favorite celebrities for a double feature of two of her most amazing horror movies. Um, and I wish I could say who it is. I guess But I'm just to... like trying to harbor it and make it happen. Yeah, just put that... Put that energy out there into yeah. the universe. Yeah. I guess we'll just have to stay tuned then. Yeah, yeah, I guess you will. Yeah, and for any of our listeners who are in the Pacific Northwest, who are interested in anything that we've been talking about, this is a great opportunity to reach out to either the podcast, Monsters Out of the Closet, or reach out to Anthony. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell's the yeah. Yeah, if you if you type in the Carla Rossi, I'm sure something shows up. Yeah, we'll somewhere. We'll put all the links to <laughs> Anthony's handles in the uh, website link for this episode. Um, and I want to just thank you, Anthony, for talking with me. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks also to you, dear listener, for joining us. As I said, links to contact Anthony and to learn more about the queer horror film series will be on our website as well as the link to tickets for the upcoming queer horse screening of Bride of Chucky. If you are in the Portland area, definitely consider coming and saying hi to Carla and me. Our next fiction episode, Fate, will be released on January 30th. And for those of you who are keeping track, we will be moving to a Tuesday release date instead of Fridays. For more awesome queer horror content, consider becoming a Patreon supporter to get access to producer commentaries of our episodes and our new review of Final Destination 2. Otherwise, thanks so much for being part of the Monster Mob.